It's time to play like a jet with your host, Scott Mason. Play like a jet. What does that mean? Smith rifles that one to Mims. And that's a foot race. He's going to win. Touchdown, Baylor. Denzel Mims with another monster score of 70 yards. Five straight games, Anthony, where he's got a touchdown catch of over 20. That's to the middle of that line, and it's a touchdown. Big return for Crowder, 85 yards. There was contact with the quarterback, and it's incomplete. They got pressure on Prescott. It was Adams who came blitzing in. He'll hit immediately when he got the handoff, and it's the Q-inator. Oh, my gosh. Listen, thank you. From the TOJ Digital Studio, this is Play Like a Jet. My name is Scott Mason. You can follow me on Twitter at PlayLikeAJet1. And it is part three of Manish's Top 20 Countdown. So, of course, that means it's midweek with Manish here on this Wednesday. So, Manish, what do you say we jump right back into the countdown at number 10? And you teased this last week, but you've got a guy that the Jets almost traded, or at least it was pushed for, by the guy who came in as the head coach, Adam Gase. Wanted to trade this guy, kept him. He had a really good year. Kind of surprisingly stayed healthy as well. And I am, of course, talking about Marcus May, the starting free safety, who should be in an interesting position this year because he's going to be in there with Ashton Davis, who a lot of people think could take over the job from Marcus May in 2021. I like this. I think top 10 is perfect for May. Right around 10 is good. You could make a case for him being a little bit higher, but I think 10 is a fine spot. I'm glad he approved. It's the first guy that you've approved of. You know, we're only halfway through the it took halfway through the countdown before we you actually agreed with one of my rankings. So thank you for that, Scott. <laughs> Look, I, I think uh it's gonna be an interesting year for Marcus May. It's the final year of his rookie deal. And uh, you know, remember way back when when the Jets took Jamal Adams and Marcus May with their first two picks a few years back in the draft, uh he did a pretty good job in Greg Williams' defense, played that really that deep center field position. And I know fans often talked about how far away from the line of scrimmage he actually was. He ultimately ended up with a career-high seven passes defense. Uh, everyone remembers the play he had to secure the, the win late in the season against the Steelers in the end zone. He also had a pass breakup, uh, of course, on that play at the end of the Cowboy game in which Jamal had the pressure on Dak Prescott. And then uh, May was around uh, Jason Witten. Uh, and that pass breakup in the end zone that uh, ultimately gave the Jets a win there earlier in the year. Uh, he's a good player uh, when he's healthy, and I think for the most part he has been healthy. He's been nicked up, uh, you know, getting hurt at the end of his rookie season and then having that linger, uh, and then the lost season in 2017. They're all factors when you're thinking about, do you want to keep Marcus May long-term? Uh, does he make sense with Ashton Davis around now? What are you going to get out of Ashton Davis as a rookie? What's going to happen with Jamal Adams? Does that factor into the equation? Uh, there's a lot of different moving parts. But uh, as you said, when Adam Gates got the job, he wanted to move uh, Marcus May and was convinced uh, not to. I thought that was a smart decision not to move him. But over the course of the last year, the Jets have gotten interest from the teams, and they have engaged in trade conversations involving May, but ultimately Joe Douglas has not wanted to trade him. Uh, will that change uh, when the trade deadline rolls around this year? Who knows? 
I, I don't know because I don't know how May's going to be playing. I don't know how the Jets are going to be doing in terms of being in the playoff discussion. If they're out of it, uh, it would certainly make sense if the Jets don't want to resign him to trade him uh, and get a 2021 draft pick because if you let May go in free agency, in all likelihood that's going to result in a 2022 compensatory pick. If you want to get some draft capital in 2021, it makes more sense to move him. However, you can't move him unless there's a team that's willing to give up draft capital and sign him to an extension. Is there a team out there that's going to be willing to do that at the deadline? I mean, I don't know. I don't think anybody knows right now. I can just tell you that there's been interest uh, for the last year in him, and the Jets have engaged in, in discussions that are amenable to trading him at the right price. But ultimately, uh, they didn't get the right price, and that's why he's here. But he is a good player, and uh, I think it'll be interesting to see how Jamal Adams' situation will impact how the Jets feel about Marcus May. Because technically, they play different positions, uh, free safety versus strong safety slash outside linebacker slash edge rusher. But uh, there's one thing about Greg Williams that you should know, if you don't know already, is that he can find ways to be creative with – uh, talented players, and clearly Marcus May is a talented player. So you know to just box him in and say, "Hey, he's a free safety, a deep safety. He can't do anything else." I think you know that's being naive. I think uh, Greg Williams would be able to use May in a number of different ways, ways that perhaps he has not used him yet because he doesn't have to use him because he has Jamal Adams. So that's just another part of the equation. I, I don't know ultimately what's going to happen with May. But what I do know is that if he is healthy, he can uh, make important contributions for this team in 2020. The ideal scenario is that May does well and either re-signs for a reasonable contract or goes elsewhere and draws the Jets a really good compensation pick. I don't think that they're going to end up trading him at the trade deadline for the reasons that you said. Another guy that I think is not going to get traded at the deadline, although if he's playing well and the Jets are out of contention, it might be a decent piece to try and flip. That, of course, is Jordan Jenkins. He's got to be disappointed because he thought he was getting a long-term deal for a fair amount of money. Instead, he comes back on a one-year deal for $3.75 million. Way less money than anybody expected in way fewer years, but... I guess when the multi-year contracts didn't materialize, he felt like coming back and playing for Greg Williams again would do his long-term prospects some good. So we'll see if that ends up being the case. Jenkins is exactly what he's always been. He's a solid player. He's not going to overwhelm you with his athleticism. He's not going to pile up a million sacks. He's not going to be incredibly impactful, but he's going to be that guy that sets the edge. A lot of people have compared him to Calvin Pace. I don't know that that's fair. I think Calvin Pace was a much better player and certainly much more naturally talented. But for a guy who was a third-round pick a few years ago, he's done pretty well for the Jets. I think he'll have a solid year again here in 2020. Yeah, a few dominoes did not fall for him. Uh, Otherwise, I think he would have gotten a multi-year deal elsewhere. Uh, Back in free agency, I reported that the Patriots and the Ravens were among the teams that were interested in him. Uh, And you're right, when you look at the final deal, one year, $3.75 million. Uh, yeah, that's a good deal on paper for the Jets. You know, that, that, that really is. I mean, it's a guy who has 15 sacks in the past two seasons. And is he an elite edge pass rusher? No, I don't think he's an elite edge pass rusher. But what you can say about Jenkins 
is that he has improved every year. He seems to get better. That's what you want out of a player. This is a guy who's going to be 26 years old at the start of the season, so he's he's still trending up. Uh, he's a reliable player. He's got a lot of leadership qualities, extremely well-respected, does things the right way, works hard. You never have to worry about him getting in trouble. So uh, he's a solid piece to the puzzle, and getting him on that one-year deal was uh, – Extremely beneficial. It's a great move, uh, ultimately, by Joe Douglas. Certainly a player that Greg Williams values. And as you touched on a minute ago, uh, Greg Williams is a player that Jordan Jenkins loves playing for. So if he had to come back on a one-year $3.7 million deal, coming back and playing for a coordinator and a play caller that he respects and he believes will put him in the best position to get better made the most sense. So that is why... Jordan Jenkins is back with the Jets, and he's extremely motivated, much like Brian Poole. We talked about him earlier on a one-year deal. This is a motivated player, again, a player uh, who obviously would have liked to have gotten a better financial deal, didn't do it. That's not going to change the way he prepares. It's not going to change the way he plays. And, and again, having another motivated player on that defense uh, can only serve this group uh, you know, better, right? It's only going to make them better when you've got these highly motivated guys with good work ethics uh, playing uh, you know, for their financial futures. Play like a jet. Play like a jet. Manish, you talked earlier in the countdown about Connor McGovern being a key piece to this offensive line and how not having traditional training camp could hurt the cohesiveness of that unit. And that's very important when we talk about who clocks in at number eight here, and that is Makai Becton, the number 11 overall pick in the 2020 draft, the Jets' first-round draft pick, the guy that they're hoping can be the left tackle to protect Sam Darnold for many years to come. Most people believe that Becton, over the long haul, will be a really good, if not great, left tackle. The question is, how quickly will that happen? Is he going to struggle more than you would like in his rookie season. If he does, then he probably won't justify this number eight ranking. But if he can catch on quicker than people expect, he might even surpass this number eight ranking. So this is interesting. It's hard forecasting somebody like Becton who needs some development, especially when it comes to pass protection. But he has the chance to be a very, very impactful player, even in year number one here for the Jets. Yeah, I'm looking at the glass three-quarters full for Becton. And uh, for all the things that I said earlier about Denzel Mims and how it's difficult for rookies this offseason because of the restrictions, not being able to be on the field, they all apply to Becton as well. Uh, I just think he's such a extremely talented guy, and he can make really an immediate impact in the run game. Uh, now, look, he, does he need to polish his pass protection? Absolutely. I think he will tell you that. But uh, he's a disciplined player, a guy who only committed one penalty last year. It was a false start. He's a guy who can maul grown men. Uh, he's a 6'7", 364-pound, <laughs> the last time I checked, guy. But he's an extremely large human being. So even though he's inexperienced and green in terms of lack of experience, uh, he's a guy who can make a day-one impact in the run game. And I think the Jets are going to utilize that. He's an extremely athletic guy, so they can utilize him in different elements in the screen game as well. Uh, I think he's going to play the left side. He's got experience, obviously, playing on both sides in college. 
but uh, you're going to draft him, you know, with the 11 pick. You start him on the left side. You put George Fan on the right side. I know that Fan prefers playing on the left side, but uh, you know, your future is with Makai Becton. So you put him where you think he's going to be for the next decade, and that's on the left side. That's protecting Sam Darnold's blind side. So I would put him there from the jump. And uh, are you going to go through some growing pains? Probably. You know, it's it's probably silly to expect otherwise. But uh, you know, he's got a lot of experience playing a lot of different schemes. Last year, predominantly was a zone blocking scheme for him. But he, you know, he'll play gap scheme as well. Uh, he's got a, a nasty attitude, uh, a, a nasty edge to him. Uh, he's got all the ability to be a difference maker, frankly, in 2020. <clears throat> and I don't know, maybe you know, we'll look back on this a few months from now and say that the, the eight ranking was too low and he should be top five. I, I, I don't know. But what I am fairly confident is that if he can stay healthy, he can be a foundation piece, a cornerstone piece for the next 10 years, much like DeBrickishaw Ferguson and Nick Mangold were when they were both drafted in the first round back in 2006. That's how good of a talent this player is. That's how good of a player I think he can be for this organization. Uh, I'm, I'm extremely bullish on Makai Becton. Uh, I thought that was a good pick by the team. I know he wasn't their number one ranked tackle. That's okay. You don't have to be the number one ranked tackle to be an impactful tackle uh, for the team. And those rankings don't mean anything right now. Uh, all that matters is that he's on this team. He's got the requisite skill set. He's got the attitude. He's got the size to be a difference maker as a rookie, and I fully anticipate that he will be. If Makai Becton ends up surpassing that number eight ranking, I think you're going to have a lot of very happy Jets fans on your hands. The guy that you have ranked at number seven is somebody that has a chance to be extremely impactful, not quite as impactful as Becton if Becton lives up to expectations, but certainly one of the guys that could help make this offense go in 2020, and that is is Christopher Herndon. Now, the only real question with Christopher Herndon is his health. Because when he was healthy in Sam Darnold's rookie year, 2018, we saw the impact he can make. He could block, he could catch, he could do a little bit of everything. He has a chance to be a top 10 tight end if he stays healthy. But that is a big if. He had injuries when he was at Miami, and then we know what happened last year. He was suspended, and then when he came back, he didn't play very much in his first game back before he got hurt and he was out for the rest of the year. So this is a guy, Manish, that could easily surpass his number seven ranking, but only if he can stay on the field. Yeah, it was a nightmare season last year. Only 18 snaps, the injuries, the suspension, uh, just getting hurt right before he was going to come back to the team after suspension. I think at that point, you've got to put your hands up in the air and say, you know, it's not meant to be. You pull your hamstring working out by yourself uh, just days before you're, uh, you're reinstated after your suspension, uh, and then you come back and you hurt your ribs uh, 18 snaps into the game, the first game back. It's, uh, you know, it couldn't have been scripted any worse for Herndon last year. But I want to rewind back to his rookie season. If you just look at how impactful he was, you mentioned the all-around game, not just the pass catcher, excellent in blocking as well. When you look at all tight ends in 2018, he was second among all tight ends, not just rookies, but second with a 66.7% catch rate. He had 39 catches on 56 targets, extremely efficient, and all Jet quarterbacks 
because, you know, obviously Sam, Har- Sam Darnold missed some time. But Jet quarterbacks had a 152.7 passer rating, almost perfect, when they targeted Herndon. I mean, this is a guy who can be such a dynamic piece to the puzzle. Uh, you know, Adam Gay says a lot of things, doesn't follow up on some of them, but I remember distinctly after he got the job, he described Herndon as a unicorn type of player. I think that's apropos. I, you know, I think that's a really, actually a really good description of Chris Herndon. He is a special talent uh, if he can stay healthy, as you said. He's got a lot of ability. And in this particular scheme, in Adam Gase's scheme, there's high value in guys who can work the middle of the field, guys who can work the slot. You saw that last year with Jamison Crowder. And if you inject Herndon into that equation, you got two potentially dynamic pieces in the middle of the field. And this is with a play caller who enjoys featuring guys who can work the slot effectively. And if Chris Herndon can do that, he can be in store for a really quality season. You saw last year uh, when Ryan Griffin, uh, Ryan Griffin, a journeyman guy, you know, a guy who had done some good things in his career, but not a dynamic player, uh, you know, objectively speaking. He was effective in this offense. So imagine what Chris Herndon could do in this offense. I think really the sky's the limit for him. He can do some damage if he can stay healthy. Uh, and he can really boost this offense if uh, Adam Gase utilizes him the right way. Manish, you just mentioned Jamison Crowder, and if Christopher Herndon were more likely to be healthy, I would have him ranked above Jamison Crowder. But because of that variable, I totally understand why you would put Jamison Crowder ahead of Christopher Herndon. Crowder's a really nice receiver out of the slot. He's not a guy that's necessarily going to get you the huge plays all the time, but he can make things happen with his legs after the catch. We've seen it, particularly in Washington, but we saw it a couple of times with the Jets as well. Sam Darnold had some really nice rapport with him in their first year together last year. Hopefully that carries over to 2020. And if Mims can do something his rookie year, if Perriman can come even close to what he did those last few games for Tampa, if Herndon can stay healthy, these are all ifs. But if any of those ifs or all of them happen and Crowder does what he did last year, Crowder will be a very valuable piece because his consistency will also help those other guys with their missions of being able to live up to what the Jets are hoping for from them. So Crowder is a very key piece, and I think that he can be very impactful in a lot of different ways. I absolutely agree. Uh, I don't think you're going to see a duplicate of what we saw last year. When Crowder led the team in targets, receptions, receiving yards, touchdowns, uh, you know, every meaningful category in the passing game. I don't think you're going to see that because Herndon's going to be healthy, because you're injecting uh, a rookie in Denzel Mims into the equation as well. I think that it will be more of a spread the wealth uh, statistical map. And that's really what Adam Gase prefers. I mean, he is talked in the past about how he views an offense like a basketball team you want five guys to touch the ball you want multiple players to threaten the defense so there isn't one guy that a defensive coordinator can key on and say look if we take this guy out of the picture this offense is not going to work and philosophically I agree with Gase Uh, I mean it doesn't happen often but I agree philosophically with that idea if you have three, four, five different options, viable options to threaten the defense, that enhances your overall offense. Uh, 
And a guy like Crowder, if he can stay healthy and he, he proved that he could bounce back from an injury-marred final season in Washington by staying healthy last year, he had a career high in snaps over 800. If he can duplicate that, remain on the field, he's going to be important. Whether he gets these numbers again or not, his mere presence will help out Chris Herndon, will help out Mims, help out Perryman, help out uh, Le'Veon Bell out of the backfield, and ultimately help out Sam Darnold because he is a viable threat when he's on the field. And I think that's what you're looking for from Crowder. He's going to be a security blanket because Darnold did trust him last year on money downs and big times. I mean, how many times did we see last year on uh, third and eight? You kind of knew he was going to throw it to Crowder, and he, you know, more times than not, he did, and it worked. Uh, I think that's where his value is. So uh, I'm with you. In a best-case scenario, I probably would have flipped Herndon and Crowder and said, you know what, I think Crowder has uh, – I'm sorry, Herndon has a higher ceiling than Crowder does, but when you factor in all the other variables, the safer play, at least in mid-June, is to have Crowder ranked ahead of Herndon. Let's hope that Herndon ends up ranked ahead of Crowder only because that would mean that Herndon stayed healthy this season, which would be a huge thing for Sam Darnold and this New York Jets offense. If Herndon can stay healthy and pick up where he left off in 2018, that means that the Jets offense is going to have a much bigger chance of success, along with all the other if variables that we talked about before involving Denzel Mims and, of course, Brashad Perriman. Manish, we have now gotten through the first three installments of your countdown, which means we've reached the top five. Next week, we will unveil your top five most impactful Jets. Should we give some spoilers, or do you think people can figure out on their own who might be on the top five? I think people can figure out uh, you know, who's remaining. Uh, I don't know if they'll necessarily agree with the order. Uh, there's somebody on here I'm particularly high on. There's somebody I wish... I could rank higher, but I did not, and we can discuss why. And, uh, you know, we can have an interesting debate about the, at the, about the person at the mountaintop, the guy at number one. Uh, you know, it, it, he's an interesting person. I'll, I'll, keep it, I'll put it that way. There's your tease for next week's installment of the list, the top five. In the meantime, follow along in the New York Daily News. And follow Manish on Twitter. If you haven't given us a five-star review on iTunes yet, if you could go ahead and do that for us. Really appreciate it. Easy way to help out the show if you like what we're doing. Doesn't take you much time, doesn't cost you any money, but it goes a long way to help us out. So if you could go ahead and do that for us, we would be quite grateful. And for the latest and greatest in New York Jets podcasts, you know where to go. That's Turn on the Jets Digital and turnonthejets.com.